Segunda Show. Hey, I'm Ben Katzman, the one who likes to rock, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andres Jones. Keep rocking. Back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, and for seven musical divinations, we've been doing something a little bit different, but you should be getting used to it by now. We're answering questions by picking songs using the Radio 8 Ball app, which you can download from the Google Play Store and depending upon when you're listening to this, from iTunes. And that's filled with every song that's ever been recorded in the history of Radio 8 Ball. And so that's our oracle fodder, and we're taking our questions from members of the Wild Honey Orchestra. And our next guest is, he's kind of the guy who, I don't know, uh, smuggled me in, got me in through the backstage door, let's say. Because I got in touch with him and I said, hey, I want to do this thing with Wild Honey. And he's like, oh, well, you should talk with David Jenkins. You should talk with these people. And then so, slowly I wheedled my way in. And then the, then he looked up and at the rehearsal and he's like, what are you doing here? Well, I'll say the same thing to him. Jordan, Summers, welcome to Radio 8 Ball. What are you doing here? I live here. Oh, yeah, right. We're in your house. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're recording this in your house on March 18th, Sunday, March 18th. And uh, and it's a beautiful place, high above the Hollywood Hills. Well, it's not really above the Hollywood Hills. It's atop the Hollywood atop. Hills. And Precariously perched. You have been doing the Wild Honey Orchestra for how long? Oh, that's a good question. But three shows? Four shows I've done? When so you've been doing shows? it pretty much since they came back. Since, no, I, I missed, they came back. To do, I think, with Sgt. Pepper, so I didn't do that one, but I've been back, ever, been there ever since through the gracious acceptance of me by Paul Rock and David Jenkins. Yeah, well, they recognize, they clearly recognize, it seems like we've talked about it earlier in the show that they're like All Day Sucker and Bebop Alula both are sort of have members who are sort of weaving in and out of throughout the Yeah, Bebop Alula are newer. Newer uh, than additions. you, yeah. Additions in All Day Soccer, and and yeah, they're like I guess last year was their first, right? Yeah. Well, I know that I have found out through doing these episodes that I've been aware of Wild Honey shows for many many years, and obviously a lot of the people involved with it I've known and I've known their music, but I only really connected the dots through Morty's posts about your involvement in this. I think probably it's first with the Beach Boys one first. The Aljar, there was the one where you did Our first with- one we did was, uh, we did Lady Madonna at the, uh, oh, the yeah. Beatle one. It was the first All Day Sucker. Okay, yes. Is that right? Yeah. So we've done Lady Madonna, and then we did uh, 
Long Promise Road, which was the Beach Boys, and then we did uh, Stage Fright for the band, and then we did uh, a B side from Buffalo Springfield. Springfield? <laughs> Buffalo Springsteen. Well, you know, that's yeah. funny that David Goodstein called it Springsteen. Buffalo, Buffalo Springsteen. Springsteen. Does it, do you guys do that in the band a lot? Uh, we were we were going for like Rick Springfield, so we learned Rick Springfield songs, and then when we showed up, we found out we were wrong, and it was we had to like, you know, crunch to get our song in, just because it would have been really embarrassing to do Jesse's Girl in front of all those people. I was thinking it'd be really fun to do Buffalo Springsteen though, where you do yeah. Buffalo Springfield <laughs> songs. Something happened in here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Me and Janie, we yeah. <laughs> Stop. Hey, that would be good. that would be fun. In the style of the E Street Band, yes, yeah. Totally, it would work. So we've talked a little bit about the wild honey thing. First of all, thank you for sneaking me in the back door. And it was and, my pleasure. And uh, <laughs> no, you can't. They're building a wall to keep you out. But <laughs> while we can get you in, we're going to get you in. And it was uh, that was it was great. I you know I had a I had a blast. That's why I got so excited and invi- invited all these people to be on the show. And that's oh, it's great. The yeah. rehearsals are really the best part because it's you know the core band does their rehearsals. We, yeah, we do all the like the intensive stuff, and then the week before the show, when we get a big rehearsal space and all the the other players kind of cycle through and then the last two days when everybody has to do a run through and you're getting everybody in there and there's pizzas and drinks and you're hearing the songs on their feet with strings and horns and people come in and out and there's mickey dolan's he does a song and then this guy like and it just it's it's the best it's like uh like the best episode of fame Mm -hmm. ever where people doing harmonies in the corner and there's guys with the horns blowing up and we're (laughs) dancing on cars and and who's who's pounding the floor with their cane? Ooh, probably well Garth Hudson last time. Oh, last, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was Thou <laughs> shalt not pass. And your entree to this is through All Day Sucker. Uh, my entree to this is really through David Jenkins and probably the Kibitz Room and Cantors because we do that show every week, and David is a big part and plays bass and hangs out and. He started recruiting, I guess, from there. He said, you know, we need a auxiliary guy for the Beatles because we, we do the Beatle records, like, exactly, and we source out all the samples and the and what was the instrument on that, and it's, like, we go to town, so they needed an uh, extra couple hands, so he said, do you want to do that? I was like, yes, absolutely, and then I leached onto them and won't let go. Yeah, and, well, so... So I, I didn't get that. So Jenkins started out playing in the Fockers. Yeah, we all get together every Tuesday. Yeah, we've talked about it many night. times on the show. Two, every Tuesday night. The Now, I always feel like there's a very thin, a very, very thin membrane between the Fockers and All Day Sucker. Oh, yes. It, it, it feels just like there's no membrane. I mean, <laughs> it, it what it feels like is that the Fockers is when All Day Sucker just like it's a regular thing that you guys all do together, but everyone who's in All Day Sucker at some point or another is involved in playing with the Tuesday night. Yeah, it is very different because there are people in the Fockers that aren't in All Day Sucker. Right. And that's really what we all get together. And but they just, but, but they we might all play be. with each other. Yeah, I mean, JJ engineered the record. And, right. 
you know, we all, there's times where we look up on stage and it's just the guys in all day soccer. We look at each other. Oh my God, we're all here. We should, let's just do a song. And we just will go into one of our own songs as a free rehearsal. Right. You know, and then the guys will jump in. And so, yeah, we are, there's a bunch of us. I don't know how many of us there are, maybe like 15 to 20 Fockers, five of which are on the soccer. Fockers but stands for? Friends of Cantor's Kibitz Room, which predates the Fockers movie. Right. Um, kind of like the Imposters. Now, uh, would we... We haven't really gotten into that, but the Imposters was the original name of All Day Sucker, and that name was co-opted by Elvis Costello. Right. We were using it. We had made two records. The band had broken up. We were not going to be using the Imposters anymore, and we found out that Elvis Costello was playing in town with the Imposters, and the booker called and said, oh my God, that's amazing. We said, why? You guys are playing with Elvis Costello. So... When we figured out what had happened, and my attorney called me like the next day too, which he, I was very impressed with because you know we have this issue, and so yeah. we let Elvis have the name because we weren't going to use it, and we love Elvis, and we didn't want to. What what am I going to hold on to it for? Because we we were done, um, and then we just morphed into All Day Sucker when we started doing it was that was over. We couldn't have it, so when we you can't change your mind, so we had to right. change the name and. The personnel changed. Some of the like the people who made us the imposters were not in All Day Sucker. So, but the core of All Day Sucker really is you and Morty. Right. You are sort of the the keyboard Keith Richards of that <laughs> enterprise. The 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 you're the co songwriter of the the yes. band with Morty Coyle. And I'm still alive, like Keith Richards. Yes. And in the same in a similar way, people might think that because Morty sings the songs. He writes the, all the songs, but... I think Morty even thinks that sometimes. Well, you know, I'm probably Mick thinks that, too. So yeah, I you think know, he does. Some, I think I, I was thinking about it on the way over here, thinking about the songwriting relationship that you and Morty have, and thinking that that, that I think, for, as I think about it, Mick and Keith, or Keith and Mick, is, is how I consider, how I think of your songwriting collaboration. Do you feel like... I think so, I guess. I've never written a song with Keith or Mick. Right. So I'm not sure exactly what what goes on in the room where it happens, as they say, but it's probably similar because I know there is definitely crossover, musical and lyrical crossover, but we have our jobs and we do them and we have our process and sometimes we break the process and it comes out good and sometimes it doesn't, but generally that's how it goes. Yeah. I do the music and I give to him and he writes lyrics, but sometimes I have lyrics, dummy lyrics in there that he'll glom onto and incorporate and use it sometimes he'll send me something of him singing onto his or he'll just sing onto my voicemail Mm -hmm. and uh i'll take that and throw it in and build it from there so there's always like some cool crossover we should release our demos maybe i was thinking that you know just a little collection of uh of your messages to each other like the that a, a little do you remember when uh, Andy Partridge put out the XTC? He put out singles around Apple Venus. Oh, yeah. Where he would ha- include warbly, warbly was well, something. Well, he would have the sing. He would have the single of like a song like um, what's what's the the song that uh, opens the track opens the opens Apple Venus uh, that one. 
Anyway, I'm not cheating by going on the computer. You can look so on the computer. Clicking, it's no, just, that's that's it's fine. Just, I'm grinding my teeth. But anyway, uh, or I don't know. Think di- your dictionary was a hit, but I remember that there were a couple of singles from that record, and he would have the single, and he would have the demo, and then he would have like a little ten or fifteen minute interview with him talking about how he created River of the song. Orchids. River of Orchids, and I and I. I as you're describing it, it sounds like, oh, you kind of have a sonic, you could do a, sing, a, son, a single where you take one of your songs and then play, like, Morty's message to you singing the thing. Oh, and yeah. And then you writing the music and sending it back. And then him putting you the could lyrics. Totally on. do like the like a like an anthropology version of yeah. it and go back into, like, how it started, like, the, the, the nexus of, oh, and then... So there's a lot of funny little things like that. The good thing about the imposters <laughs> was like some of my favorite songs I didn't write, and I know Josh's favorite songs he didn't write. And it was like right. you know, and it was like yeah, oh that song's great, shit. It's so much fun to play, yeah, yeah. And then we would draw, and then the parts we, but we were doing this since we were 15, so we kind of like you know entwined like ivy around each other, right? So we would finish you know each other's songs or organically you know barf one out in the back of the van kind of thing. Right. So we started, we were playing shows around LA with all my band, Mr. Jones and the previous and your band, probably like 89, 90, 91, 92. I'm thinking that's probably the era. Yes. So roughly. like right, basically right up until, until the central became the Viper room. I remember I left town right before the, before the Viper room. happened. So that I guess, or right when actually, no, right before, sorry, right before what, uh, river Phoenix died outside the Viper room. And I feel like that was sort of what sadly put the Viper room on the map. Na- nationally. It did. We, they closed, we were playing the next night and then they closed for a week. Yeah. To clean off the front of the street from all the flowers and all the the weirdos that yeah. were coming, and then we opened that next because we were the house band at the time, so we right. played every Sunday. So we were we started that next Sunday after they had closed. So it was a and after that it was just like yeah a destination a destination a, a tour bus destination a groovy ghouly destination yes it with was. the imposters now all day sucker. At and uh, and the Fockers to some degree, that uh, it's all and everything. Yeah, everything's very incestuous. We were playing Tuesdays at the at Kibitz Room. Then we were playing at Viper Room, um, and our own band. So it's all kind of. And then it goes away. We all tour and work, and then we kind of come together. And it's really fortunate that you know we all have a place to play and commingle every right. week, even though it was it's supposed to be voluntary but it's become kind of like an obligation in a way it's like now i feel weird if i miss it or if i I, if i have to be sick or i would feel weird i mean i tell you i i've talked about this a little bit on the show is that for me when i come down i mean it's very selfish but i over the years i'll make it out to like two or three tuesdays a year because i'm in town two or three times a year and for me if i came out on a tuesday and you weren't there or Morty wasn't there or like I'd be like what's I, that's a bummer you know but I get it I don't expect you to show up for me but I think that that's something about having a regular having a regular gig anyway any place but having a regular gig at Cantor's in the kibitz room for this many years it's such I don't know if you think about it like this but it is an institution no we we are 
kind of getting that. It's turned into that. We're like Cal Ripken now. It's just yeah. like, <laughs> um, it is. We were looking back, and just the new iteration after yeah. we stopped has been nine years. Yeah. And that's a lot. And we play for four hours straight every Tuesday for nine years, give or take. That's a lot. It makes, but it makes you good. It ma- it, it's and it's fun. It's it, we love it. I mean, it's we did last week. Um, we have some friends. These three girls. They had their birthdays, and sometimes we'll do uh, an album. We don't rehearse. It's like a flash mob. But sometimes we'll say, "Oh, let's do Dark Side of the Moon for this guy's birthday," and we will show up, and everyone goes home and kind of like learns it, and we play it for the first time in front of people. So we did Xanadu. They wanted Xanadu because they grew up loving Xanadu, which is a the worst movie ever, if you've seen it. It's like a Diane Marie special. Yeah. Horrible. But ELO did the soundtrack, and John Farrar, and Olivia Newton-John, and it's like got magic, and yeah, suddenly... It's got, some, and it's got some great things It's in got it. some great songs, and it's that... And so we said, okay, we'll do it. Three girls, they want to, you know, dress up and do their little Xanadu thing. So we all did it, and our friend Aton G uh, brought Smoke Machine and Lights... And we're in a deli with smoke machine and lasers and lights, and we're playing Xanadu. And well, I think, I might add. Mm-hmm. It, and everybody's come down, like the guys from Beepapalula came and did a song. We've got guest singers, and Morty's doing two songs. We added some other Living Newton John songs. The girls are freaking out and jumping up and down as if they're 12 years old. They've got ribbons yeah. in their hair. And it's in a deli. <laughs> All right? <laughs> well, a deli bar, excuse yeah. me. Not in a deli. It's not like. And it, that, it's just where are you going to do that? And then play ELO until they kick you out at two in the morning. It's and Zeppelin or yeah. whatever comes or whatever down, comes. Or I mean, David whatever Bowie comes to mind did. the night you're there. So yeah. when yeah, and if you ever look on on our Facebook page, it's like Tuesdays with the Fockers. You can see some clips, and it's surreal. It looks like Studio Fifty Four, but Jewish. <laughs> Studio Fifty Four was I well, the owner yeah, he was pretty Jewish. <laughs> But New York in the seventies, yeah, it was a little, yeah, but on a small, w- without with more rye bread and, and less cocaine. I don't know, Cantor's Studio Fifty Four. It all goes. It all makes sense to me. So uh, we're gonna have more time to talk once we get into your question. Uh, but before, like, just as a preface, to that I just want to make sure there's not any piece of the of this that we've left out because you're the last uh, Wild Honey guest. On this big wild honey run, I should also say that out of this, it's been inspired. We're gonna we're now doing a Joni Mitchell tribute on Radio Eight Ball that came out of Caitlin's question a few a few or a musical divinations before. How synchronistic! And uh, and actually, well, by the time this comes out, we will have already recorded it. Uh, I can tell it's great already. Time is is very strange in the realm of Radio Eight Ball, but. The energy of creativity that surrounds Wild Honey, the Fockers, and I'm sure so many other weird little niche n- niche nerd music ne- community, especially in a city like Los Angeles where there's so many great musicians, there's so many people. It's just really exciting to me. I spend, you know, I, I live in Olympia, Washington, and so when I, you know, this, there's maybe one interesting thing musically. Well, you could come happened. back. I, you know, I try, but they won't let me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. We 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 have, I I guess, inadvertently created a little bit of a hotbed of musical 
cross-pollination with everybody, and it's a, just you bring in people who never get to play, and then we play with each other. And so, I just did a thing last week with people I would never play with five years ago because I met them through Kibitz Room and through uh, the Wild Honey show, and and these are all amazing guys. It, it's a here's a good a good Wild Honey story. Yeah, my very first concert I ever went to was Beatlemania, and now I know you think that was a play. At the Pantages, but for me, I was a kid. Yeah, I was a concert. There was a rock band was on a stage rock band with really good songs, by the way. I I would imagine yeah, they're, they're pretty good, pretty 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 strong set list. Um, so my cousin, my I must have been young enough to think it was a concert. So I watched them like blown away. It was the Pantages. I'm like, this is amazing. This is incredible. I got it. Wow. And so that's kind of started my career in my mind. My next concert was the Police. So it was a huge gap, but that was a um, turns out uh, that Rob Laufer, who is the musical director of All the Wild Honeys and a freaking genius, was George that night. Really? He was playing George. He was the original George of Beatlemania. My cousin who took me went to high school with him, so he was, oh, that's... <laughs> went to high school with that guy. He, went to, he was Taft in the Valley. And then at the kibitz room, Mitch Weissman, who was the original Paul, came in, who had been friends with Morty, and came in and played Beatles songs. And I'm like, I'm geeked out, like, beyond belief. I'm playing with the fake Paul and the fake George. That's right. amazing. <laughs> this is the first guys I ever saw in a concert. And now I'm playing Beatles songs with them. And I'm realizing afterwards, that's just, like, magic for a kid. Even though it doesn't matter they're not the real Paul or the real John. These are the first guys you see playing, you're blown away. And then you find yeah. out you're, and now I, you know. I could text Rob right now, and <laughs> he probably hates the story because I tell it to him all the time, and I think he feels older. But he's that guy, the George, yeah, the Paul. It's like meeting one of the cartoon characters from Yellow Submarine. Yeah, exactly. it's not the real one, but still, that still. was the first one you got. That was your first Paul. That was your first George. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. I was just like, "This is amazing." I mean, I didn't know. So I got, and then now, he's and there. now, and and now you are working in a tribute band, like doing other bands, but he, yeah, with him. Yeah, it's very. It, there's something there that I think is really rich. I have to say, throughout all and of these conversations, aside the tribute, I mean, these these guys are talented guys, and their oh, own no, music. Of course, it's just, yes. I mean, everyone here. There's always a there's always like a stupid disclaimer because you're playing other people's music for no, charity. No, no, they're, that they're not that no, we don't like lock ourselves in a closet and wait for someone to, to you know to die and <laughs> take over their their person their persona and play. These no. guys are all like their own. Well, I think that I mean that's one of the things we've gotten into is that there is. Like the, the whole I the, the whole ethos around a tribute show. First of all, I think I think that there's a big difference between being a tribute show and uh, cover band. Cover band, like and and I also think there's a big big difference between like what the Fockers do on Tuesday night, which is what you just get together and start playing songs and being a cover band. Like there's musicians playing off of this out of this songbook that nobody you're not you're not getting together yeah, it's more of it. it's a jam really right because we're not but we don't know what we're gonna play but jam from. sounds really bad if i yeah, if i does. tell people i'm coming down to see you guys to see a jam band at the at canters no i wouldn't wants, go no, i wouldn't go right right it's what you guys do is so particular and so smart and it's because you're all great musicians and you and like you're not i guess maybe that's the, it, when you're doing uh, the the 
ethos behind a tribute show is it's people who are really good musicians in their own right doing their own thing, taking time out to say, this is what inspires me. Whereas a cover band is like, I don't have any good songs, so people will dance to Eddie Money, so let's play Eddie Money. Right. And I think there's a big difference. Like doing an Eddie Money tribute would be exciting. Going seeing anybody, like some play, someone play Eddie Money songs in a cover band. And I'm not even that big in Eddie Money, but I would. Apparently you are. I would be. It would be kind of odd if you told me that you that Wild Honey was doing an Eddie Money tribute. I'd be like, well, if those cats are doing it, I guess it must be good. We were on. <laughs> I was playing with the Wallflowers and Eddie Money was opening for us. And oh, we're at Soundcheck and Eddie Money comes out wearing a jacket that says Eddie Money on it. Like a. Yeah. And he comes up and he says, oh, comes over to Jacob and says, <laughs> Why, why am I opening for you? I got way more hits than you. I got Shaken. I got Ticket to Paradise. I got... And he's like... And then... And he's kidding. And then we watch the show. And I'm like, geez, he really does have a lot of hits. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a lot of hits. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Uh, okay. I love talking with you, Jordan. But now it is time to get your question for the Pop Oracle. Are you ready? Do you have, do you have one in mind? I do. Okay. I do. It came from my son inadvertently. He asked me this, and I think he just misspoke, but then it, I kind of found weight to it. I went, ooh, Andros would like this one. Okay. We're, you know, when you're watching the news and you read about what they are doing, they have proof, they have evidence, they are fixing that, they are doing that. At one point... In our lives, when do we become they? When, okay, well, this is a great question. So now you get to get to address the Radio 8 Ball app. Let's open it up here. And speak. That question in here? Yeah. When do we become they? Didn't catch that. Try speaking again. Stupid. Why did they call me stupid? I don't know. When do we become they? I'm going to shake to engage. Engaging.
Potent, uh, crazy that that. First of all, Veda Hilly has now come up three times on this episode. There's like there's 1,700 songs in this. Wow. She has probably maybe 15, and one of them came up twice. So already there's something that's really potent about that. And uh, I'm trying to see if I can bring up the information on that. Well, I'll put it in the the, the information of when it was recorded. That was at one of our live shows in Seattle. But wow, that was the answer to your question. When do we become they? It actually, I got like got a little bit verklempt. Right? Why that do we? I almost don't even want to talk about it. If you don't get it by listening back to the song, you're not going to ever get it. Oh my god! It was well. First if we of all, do nothing, I mean, if that what was the lyric now? If you do I'll, nothing, it means nothing. If you means nothing, there you go. That's when we become they. Is when you do something. Yeah. Or no, or when you don't, when you don't, when you walk by, when you don't do, correct, meaning when you yet. can walk by the person on the homeless person on the street and have it not mean anything to you and not be like, if why we, don't we give him an ice cream? You know, or yeah, I guess the change. If we do <laughs> yeah nothing, then we are we. But when we do something, we become they. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, okay. Well, let's let's get let's dig into that because I'm hearing it. We're both hearing different takes on it, which I, is one of the things I love about this format. Right. It, so when you say if. If you do something, then you become they. Like, if you do something, what, what is the something that well, you're Well, I'm guessing about? when I say, well, when it, you know, when do we become they, it's, they are always taking care of it. If someone's taking care of it, they are doing this, they oh. are doing that. Who are these they people? You watch the news and say they're looking into it, they, 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 and you, we live our lives hoping that they will fix it. I got it. Okay. So in your mind, oh, that's what's I, oh, so interesting. In your mind, when you were, when I heard it a different way, I heard it as, when do we, like humans, become they the other? But you're saying oh no, I'm doing no. You're saying they is the authorities, the ones who are actually making things like who we are counting on to make things work. Right, like yeah, you, like when I said when we first started, and yeah. I was mentioning like the news and the news, like, when right? You're watching they, they are you know they are investigating. They are this. They are that. They are going to fix it. When are they coming to get me? This, yeah, so, and that's what I'm thinking more like they are watching. They, it works either way. <laughs> But for what touched me is when she said, "If we yeah. do, when we do nothing, mm-hmm. the hell was a lyric again? If, if exactly, you do nothing, it means nothing. If you do nothing, it means nothing. So if you do nothing, you're going to stay we. Uh-huh. Oh, we, we all, like small. Yeah. Well, not even we like small, but we us as in as in the passive ones that. Right. Who's going to fix it? We. Mm-hmm. If we we sit and do nothing, we will remain we. Right. If everybody remains we, then there is no they to fix it. <laughs> We need they, them. To the, fix it. That is so. That's so interesting because I, 
I hear it completely. I hear the same thing, but I hear it, I, we were both sitting here being really moved, and I heard it completely differently. First of all, I got to say, where this is the end of the wild honey episode, and she's just talking about your wild, wild feelings, right? What and this the this whole thing is about the inspiration of a child around music and how music can be healing. And you're talking about your experience with the Beatles and Jake's, you know, with the Beatlemania and when you were a kid and Jake's experience with the Be like those wild, wild feelings. If you do nothing with them, it means nothing. And I'll, I know a little bit about the history of the song because Beta has been on the show. She's played this on the show a couple times. And Bedlam is about an insane asylum. I mean, that's what Bedlam refers to as like as an insane asylum. So there's also that sense of like, even the way we're that we're having different meanings for we and they. It like there's a kind of craziness to the world. At a certain point, you have to either when do we take over or when do we let them keep taking over because it's Bedlam. Right. These are Bedlam. Yeah, like there's well, like and there's this craziness of like in the craziness of the world, we have to become crazy to be sane. To be, for the world to accept us, we have to accept the craziness of the world. I like that this kid, this question comes from your kid. So he's like, it's about a kid looking at the world and saying, there are these authorities, these they, and I don't know what, where he's coming from when he's asking what that means. But to me, it makes me think about my child self and the part of me that did just feel like when John Lennon saying I didn't get the the contradictions when John Lennon was saying you say you want a revolution I felt it was implicit that he meant that it was a a revolution was a good thing and it ha but it also ha and it also had to include to not be a violent revolution and that that was coming and then the music it felt like it was there in reality the world we inherited was very different and so there's a point in my life where I feel like I did go from being, and I love the idea of being we, of being little and looking right. at the world. And the, day, having... the day after uh, St. Patrick's Day. That's <laughs> uh, a we day. Oh, it's a we. <laughs> when I was a we one, I, I looked at the world and I thought, I'll go and do it. You know, I can, I can just, it'll, I'll make it better. Or it will be better. And everyone around me is telling it's going to be better. The, all the music and everything is saying it's going to be better. And then at some point when, I, I, I don't know, maybe I've never given up on it because i'm still putting out a crazy synchronicity podcast and hoping that this music will change the world and at the same time i know that there are parts of me that have become they yeah well but your not they. my your they, they not my have they. become the they that walks that doesn't have compassion that walks by someone on the street and is more concerned with my discomfort than with their discomfort. Uh, just being honest, I don't like that part of myself, and I try to overcome it. But those, that is, I think there must have been a point where I went from being wild, like in the, having those wild, wild feelings and being close to the ground and feeling connected to everything, that uh, I don't know when it changed. I think there is something about the madness of the, like for the song, it's saying something about, Bedlam. We are. We live in an insane asylum. And so, when you ask this question of when do we become they, even like not knowing who is we and who is they, it's crazy. Well, if you're, I think we do live 
in an insane asylum, but we have little cliques within the asylum that we all agree are the best way to go. And we kind of stay in those cliques in the asylum. Like there's the bedwetters are over here and the, 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 the schizophrenics are it's over like here. It's like Woody Allen's right. baseball, <laughs> baseball team. Yeah, I stole a second, felt guilty, and put, put it back. And we all kind of agree on our little cliques. And, geez, did you see the people in the violent wing? Those guys are nuts. <laughs> yeah. All we do here is, you know, like turn the light switch on and off in the OCD department. And <laughs> those people are crazy. But outside the walls, yeah, we're crazy. But where the walls end, <clears throat> we're where do the between wall- us, yeah. us, us, and them, 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 or when do we become they? And I'm thinking of more like I guess social responsibility or. Well, yeah, like when do I be? When do I grow up? And when when I'm, I'm thinking from a kid's point of view, that is saying, when will I be the one who's like right now? You're responsible. You're the they. Like to him, I am. I'm the they. Call the guy, and he will come and fix the Nintendo. Yeah, I'm they. Yeah, but he's fucked because I'm not they. (laughs) There's a bigger they that I count on. (laughs) He's counting on the guy. Counting on the guy. Where does it stop? Where is the final? Where does the (laughs) final they stop and take care of? Right, and he's just a wee little boy. Oh man! Right? Wow! Deep dive into Deep the dive. oracle. You really—that—that's great, Jordan. You took us. You took I knew us you'd home. like that when yeah. you said that. I went, "Oh, he's going to like this." Which it's just like we're talking about the ideas for songs and where those things come up with, and you go, "Oh, I could use that later." Yeah. And I went, "Oh, that would be a good question for later," and I saved it. I'm glad. I'm glad. Well. Whoever you are out there, whether you are a we or a they, I think that if you're listening to this podcast, I think we are all a we in in terms of this. And I guess of other, I guess all the people who haven't listened to it are a bunch of they's. Yes, <laughs> and hopefully <laughs> they will tune in and then become a we or that your your <laughs> we, my we. I want. I think we all need to become they and take care of the we's because someone's got to do it. Call the guy. The guys are going to come. They are going to come and fix it. Be the they and go and fix it. Don't be the we and sit around and watch. You see, I'm a burn. communist and a socialist. I come from this background, so I just feel like, no, the only we can change, can take responsibility and make the world the better place. Well, I if we're counting I'm saying on the they. same thing, but we, we, right, exactly. The we <laughs> passive part is the, what I'm getting at. It's like I feel like. Maybe I should be, should I, you know, become they and try to help? Or am I just complacent and I'm going to be a we and call it in? Can't I, call it in forever. I just, I love it. This is, I can't wait to listen back to this conversation because I feel like it's going to be like a who's on first. Like we is they and they is we. It's like a John Lennon song oh, or something. Like we should put a beat to it. <laughs> See, well, and this is where... Honestly, I do want to kind of bring it all home with this idea that I I think, I mean, if you're listening to it, you can probably hear that we both have big, like, well, Jordan doesn't anymore. But for a minute there, we both had big smiles on our faces while we were talking about all this. And 
this is like far from a disagreement. It's the kind of this is the kind of back and forth that is musical. Like we're not too attached. Like you can kind of hear neither of us is too attached to the idea of what's a we and what's a they. It's kind of like that Lenny Bruce thing where he's like, I kind of got they just like saying blah, blah, blah. Like we just kind of like saying they and we, we and they. It just it feels good to say. It feels good in the mouth when it comes out with the the and the wuh. But yes, I, I, I'm walking in your shoes and taking your perspective and going, it means this to you. Right. And then you can flip it and change it from, and it works both ways. And that's always the best anyway. Yeah. The, uh, the, what do they say? The play always happens in the audience anyway. Exactly. So I guess it, it, this is, we, we certainly did Abraham Lincoln. So now we, <laughs> that almost went past, that almost went past me, which is what he said. <laughs> that's what his wife said. Uh, so now we are saying to you out there in the audience, you can, you can figure out, you can parse this out, what the we and the they and the they and the we mean. Uh, all in all, what, what's, what's pretty clear, I think, through this whole episode is you know, usually when I wrap up, I'm wrapping up with one, with one musical guest. And this has been really weird. I, I've t- said this through the show a few times. I had initially hoped to get folks from the Wild Honey Orchestra to come down and play Buffalo Springfield songs as the answers to the questions. But once I saw all of the work that went into putting on the Wild Honey or uh, the, the, the event, show, yeah. I realized what hubris that was. First of all, that I would even, that I would ask it. And second of all, that I would expect that people had just gone through one major thing would then make time to do another little thing that was esoteric and strange and nobody understood. Uh, they, it, it, no, it, uh, it it was. I didn't. It's all part of their character. That everyone would. It's just a. It's I didn't a even. Of... I didn't even bother to ask at that point. When I, but I, what I did was I. I saw all these great session musicians who I was like, you know, I don't know if I'll ever have a chance to have Caitlin Wolfberg on the show as a musical guest, but I'd lo- or Proben Gregory on the show as a musical guest, or you on your on your own as a singer songwriter and just be able to just hang out with you and talk with you and ask you questions and. And I'm like, okay, well, let's do a show about the session cats where they come in and they tell their stories and we get uh, like an oral history of wild honey. And then I get to promote my app and, you know, maybe have some cool. You have an app? I do. Tell me about it. The Radio 8 Ball app. Really? Yeah. You can download it from the Google Play Store and soon, depending upon when you're listening to it, maybe now from the i from iTunes. That's great. Yeah. I'm going to download it on both platforms. Yeah, and then you can ask it a question and get a song as your answer. And if you like it, you can share it with your friends on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And if you really like the song, you can purchase it and then the artist gets paid. It's come full circle. I love it. <laughs> See? Beautiful. That's beautiful. And whatever algorithm is happening in that app seriously work today that was pure random no i told i told everyone who's worked everyone who's worked on this is like should we you know do you want it to grab words like no 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 random as random as possible that's the only way it really works uh it would kill it for me if i knew that it was like that it grabbed some word from how could it have come up with anything better than it came up with using an algorithm unless it was an all-day sucker song. Well, I was kind of, I have been kind of hoping an all-day sucker song would come up. But you know, you no, you, no one would believe that you it would do happen. have eight uh, all-day sucker songs in the app. And when we do open up the only the, eight so far, I'm kidding. We'll have you back. We'll have you back. I keep trying to have you back. I tried to have you come out for the Joni Mitchell thing, but you're everyone's on, on tour with Joe Perry or 
Celine Dion or Celine Dion? I don't know. I'm just making up names. Really? You don't know Joe Perry? Joe Perry, yeah. Uh, is this Joe Perry? It was. Yeah, David Goodstein was playing with Joe Perry uh, for his uh, record release party and show. I, and he told me he was playing later. in Boston. I did. I just made up because you know my first rock show was Joe Perry. Really? Solo. That's what. That's what David. Our, let's see, our drummer David Goodstein, and I say our drummer. Because he hates it when we do that. <laughs> but he is our drummer. Um, but yeah, he was uh, playing with uh, the guys from... Uh, uh, I'm blanking. The brothers from... Jeez. The brothers from G's? <laughs> uh, God. The, the Liam brothers. Uh, and, and oh, the, yeah. The, the Liam brothers? The DeLeo brothers. DeLeo. The Liam brothers. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be always... I don't know who the DeLeo brothers are. From a... Uh, uh, Oh shit! Uh, uh, I'm just blanking on the name now. Scott Weiland. Oh, Stone Temple. Thank Pilots? you, Stone Temple. The two brothers from uh, they were the rhythm section. Got the it. Guitar player, the bass player, David Goodstein, Joe Perry, Robin Zander was on the gig. The, they, uh, Terry, Terry. You know what? I had a really. Uh, it's a fun, a fun little synchronicity. Oh, I'm in the limo, and the limo driver was uh, this woman who drives people up and down all the time, and she was talking. She was saying. I was like, you must have driven some cool celebrities. And she's like, you know who was really cool? Robin Zander from Cheap Trick. Do you know who's re- Robin Zander? <laughs> it was like of all of the people. I won't say who she said wasn't cool because I thought that wasn't too cool for her to tell me. But uh, but of all the people, he is the one that she remembers as being like, he was really down to earth. And- I have never heard a bad Robin Zander story. I When I was a kid, he was playing at there was the China Club, and I was probably – I probably knew 18 or whatever when we were playing. Do you remember when they had that? At yeah. The, and they had those weekly shows where we were like jam, like the Fockers, but it was like big. It was the guys from Straight Cats was up there. Sam Kinison, Robin Zander, um, Slash were playing. We were there. And we I think we had played earlier in the night. There was a piano and they were playing Ain't That a Shame. And I would never do this now, but like Morty and everyone was like, get up there, get up there, get up there and just jump on the piano. And I was, can you imagine that now? Like, yeah. Fucking thrown out. <laughs> Tied up, but when I was you're young. a kid, when you're an eight, when you when you're eighteen, you so get away I, with stuff. Yeah. So they did. I did. Yeah. I, don't, they did. I can't believe I did it. And I got up, and they were playing "Ain't That a Shame," which was not above my skill level at the time. And I start playing, and Robin Zander looks at me and walks over to the to me on the stage in the middle of the song, where he could have just taken his guitar and whacked me. <laughs> and he comes over and he kind of pokes his head over where he can hear the piano, hears that I'm in the ballpark. Gives me the thumbs up, goes back and finishes the song. And I stayed on and played Wild Thing with Sam Kinison and him. And, and I mean, he could have easily just like given the eye to one of the guys and they could have pulled me away. But he kind of went, eh, I don't know. Let him stay. It's a Manchie guy right there. Nice. Well, that's just, again, this is a great we keep finding great ways to end this because there's never going to be a good end to this. Because uh, every every story is fantastic, but this again bringing it back, this idea of like, the things that we're fans of, and then getting to participate in that, and the kid connection to music that was wrapped up in all of this this whole conversation. Um, so, I, and I think that's a perfect place to end is this sense of you always hear stories about when you meet your heroes and it's disappointing, but there are there actually are a lot of cases where we meet our heroes and they turn out to be we's instead of them's or them. really good. They or instead really good. Of them. We. we. <laughs> and with that, 
I'm going to close this one out and say thank you to Jordan. Thank you, Andras. And all of the wild honeys who participated in this Radio 8 Ball episode and all of the synchronicity surfers who contributed their songs to the Radio 8 Ball show over the years that filled the Radio 8 Ball app. And I just want to thank Scott Taylor and Skylar Blake of the Olympia band The Hard Way for doing their version of the Radio 8 Ball theme song for this show. I asked them to give me something that was in the style of Buffalo Springfield, and I think they did a great job. And until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tangling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio 8 Ball Show. It's a good show. <laughs>